Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Talking the Star Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Leibzig, joined by my co-host tonight, Dalton Miller and Cole Patterson. We're here to talk about the playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs! Playoffs. Regular season is over. Cowboys beat the living dog shit out of the Philadelphia Eagles third string players. Um, that was a fun one to kind of get us ready for the playoffs. Uh, Dak, Dak and the offense looked like they had their shit together. Uh, defense... Not as much, but they're rotating guys in and out. Running run defense didn't look as great. So we're going to talk about some of that uh, today on this podcast. But we're going to break down the five players that scare us the most heading into this matchup against the 49ers. Um, Interesting how they picked us to be the pessimistic group, right? <laughs> yeah, we're the last. <laughs> you know what? RJ's like, you know what? We'll, we'll let them take care of the pessimism. They're used to it. <laughs> Yeah, everybody else is doing like five best games against the 49ers and best players to shine in the playoff game. And they're like, all right, give them the scary stuff. And that's uh, that's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> you know, before we get into it, though, I do want to say I do feel like a lot of people are super concerned about this matchup. And I think there are concerns to be had about this matchup for sure. I agree. But as King pessimistic pessimism, I will say... Well, you feel good about th- this, right? Yeah, like they're playing Same. the worst quarterback in the playoffs. Yeah. Oh no, sir. Well, ben Roethlisberger exists. Well, that's true. That's true. That's true. I mean, in the, the NFC, NFC side, in, the, yeah. in the NFC, in the NFC, and any opponent they would play up until the Super Bowl, I guess you could make an argument for Jalen Hurts, but I think Garoppolo's been worse than Hurts down the stretch. I think for what hurts, he can do. hurts scares me. More At least hurts right because of yeah, the hurts has yeah. mobility aspect yep. too. Yep. Yeah. Like so. Garoppolo is a statue. He turns it over. Yeah. He's really good looking. And does that throw teams <laughs> off? I don't know. He's probably and, and, and I mean he's got the like, looks advantage. That's for sure. I don't want to don't want to kill him too much because he can get in a little rhythm. You know, like he can get into a little rhythm or two for a series or two, and then you know, like he did against the Rams, like he gets into a little rhythm yeah, and drives down the field in two minutes and looks like a stud. So there's uh-huh. some of that to his game, but I'm not in the least bit worried that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to come out and dice up the Cowboys and and win this game for him. So, and that's the thing, like when we when we talk about quarterbacks, you know, it, it's about the guys that can do it all of the time. And, you know, Dak is a guy that can do it all the time. Aaron Rodgers is a guy that can do it all the time. Some guys, Derek Carr is, I, I think, a perfect example of this, especially 
you know, a little right. bit this season. A, a guy that for most of the game isn't really going to scare you all that much, but can get clutch at the end. Those guys right. exist. It doesn't, you know, make them clutch. They're just really bad sometimes and then good others. <laughs> like, uh, And when you have nothing to lose at the end of halves, at the end of games, when you have to stand back, get that back foot planted and just chuck it, Jimmy Garoppolo can do that a little bit. He just showed that. Um, but we've also seen Jimmy Garoppolo in a big moment miss downfield throws that he should make to lose Super Bowls. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, like, before we kind of get started on our list here, like, if Jalen Ramsey doesn't bite on the, the underneath route in overtime there, like, he, he pulled a full Trayvon Diggs after people have been, like, refusing to – and, again, I don't think you should compare Jalen Ramsey to Trayvon Diggs, but he kind of had his Trayvon Diggs moment there in overtime um, where – there's an underneath route. Debo's running the, the route a little bit behind him. He bites on it. The ball goes over top of his head. He tries to scramble late, doesn't get there. And, you know, that really cost the Rams the game there, which it really wouldn't have mattered, you know, as far as the playoffs go. But you'd be looking at – you'd be look, then looking at playing a different team, obviously. But I, I think the Cowboys, you know, got a matchup that they they should be happy with being the fact that they're playing the, the worst quarterback in the NFC and, 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 and I, you know, in the playoffs, I think that that's what matters. The, the better quarterbacks win those matchups, you know, nine out of ten times, and you got a favorable quarterback matchup in round one. So I think you should be somewhat happy about that. But we're going to talk about these five guys that are scaring us the most on the 49ers. We're going to start at five, work our way down to one, talk about why they scare us, how we might be able to neutralize some of that scare. Um, let's start with five. Cole, we'll start with you. Our fifth scariest dude on the 49ers is. Yeah, we, you know, we came up with the list. Um, I might have this guy a little bit higher, but I have no problem with him at five either. Uh, Armstead, you know, Eric Armstead, I think he um, scares. He has to scare you for a Cowboys fan. Um, We were kind of talking before we started recording about, you know, how Chris Jones took over that Chiefs game. And Armstead isn't Chris Jones, but he's a you know really good defensive tackle in his own right. Um, and we've seen the interior of the Cowboys' offensive line struggle, um, whether it be in pass protection, running the football, whatever the case is, they've had some struggles this year. Um, so I think Eric Armstead is a guy that stands out as one of the scariest players because we've seen the, the, the Cowboys struggle against those kind of guys in the interior. Um, and the Cowboys need to win the line of scrimmage of the in this game. I mean, it's 49ers have a great run defense. Um, they can get after the quarterback. Um, a guy we'll talk about later is the you know their star of that defensive line. But Armstead's a um, really good player in his own right. He's a guy that uh, may not have you know first time first team All Pro talent, but he's a guy that um, can make life hard. He can shut down the run. He can get after the quarterback from the interior, and he's going to be a problem if they can't uh, neutralize him. If they can't you know slow him down. Um, it could be a long day at the office on Sunday. Um, so he's definitely one of the five scariest players that uh, the Cowboys are going to play on uh, on Sunday. Yeah, I think for me, before I get Dalton's thoughts on it, I think he's one of those guys that can kind of line up anywhere along the defensive line. You know, he can play yeah. defensive end and play a nose, you know, he can line up literally in any one of those techniques and give, you know, not really know where he's going to be and what he's going to do and how he's going to yeah, do it. So I think issue. that's probably the, the scariest part for me is, you know, it's not like he's going to line up right across from he's not gonna line up right across from Connor Williams all game he's not gonna line up right across from Tyler Biotish all game he's gonna be mixed around Mm -hmm. all over the place and that's kind of what kind of gives me some pause because 
could he line up across from Biotis, Williams, Martin, Tyron, Lyle? Like you'll never know where he's gonna be, and I think that's what kind of gives him his biggest his biggest threat. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I just looked it up actually where he has taken all of his snaps this year, and he has moved around a little bit, but he has spent most of his time uh, on the left side of the defense and a little bit more time on the interior than on the exterior. So we're looking at probably a lot of him going up against Zach Martin and a lot of him going up uh, against Lyle Collins. And I think at the end of the day, you're going to be able to live with that. You probably wouldn't love to see him up against Connor Williams for 40 snaps. And if they want to really work matchups, they can certainly do that this week. Um, We just Mm -hmm. saw him in this past game, I believe have seven pressures. And I know that the, the LA Rams, uh, the LA Rams defense or the LA Rams offensive line didn't have a great game in that one, but he ended up having three sacks in that game. He absolutely dominated the right side of that Rams offensive line. And we could see that because as good as, as Zach Martin has been at this point, I, I think we have seen him not take a, a legitimate step back. He's still a first team all pro. He's just not that perfect player that we're used to seeing him be. Uh, so, yeah, man, Ar- Armstead is, is definitely a, a, a scary player. Um, but at the end of the day, I think, I think the Cowboys be all right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, let's talk about this uh, guy. Realistically, uh, I feel like we're, you know, it's more of the position he plays. Why is the fourth scariest? Because if you're ranking the best players on the 49ers, you'd probably be at one. But that's left tackle Trent Williams. And I think we're putting him here as well because he did miss the game last week against the Rams with a, is it an ankle injury? I think it is. There's an, what is this injury? They might know. Ankle injury? Is that what it is? Um, calf. I think it was. I think calf? it was a calf injury. Is what I think I saw today. Okay. Well, cool. Elbow. So it says elbow injury. injury. It yeah, elbow I kind injury of thought it was Twitter. elbow too. But yeah, I heard. Ankle just a chronicle says game. elbow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, he I might just be banged is. up in general then. Right. <laughs> Yeah, because I think the radio, to, yeah, elbow injury is what Who the, the athletic So let's go with elbow injury. Who has a calf injury? Somebody has a calf injury, I swear. Is it Tart? Jukowski Tart? No, I don't even know if it was a 49er, man. This whole covering the NFL wow. thing really gets in my head. Yeah, Cole, I think you're right, because I heard ankle on the radio today, and I kind of like, eyebrows went up, because I was like, I thought it was elbow. Um, and I, I, the reason I was thinking elbows, because I was like, that's not an injury that you can kind of play through as an offensive lineman. Cause there's a lot of yeah. blocking out, you know, movement. So elbow injury for Trent Williams, he's going to be our fourth scariest 49er, partly in due because he's banged up and we're not for sure that he's going to play. I mean, he didn't play in a winner go home game last week. So it's not like a, you know, it's a, Oh, it's the playoff. He's going to play. Like if he couldn't play last week, there's some doubt that he could play this week. So, um, Trent Williams is probably actually I think he's the best offensive lineman in the NFL right now. Uh, definitely the best left tackle in the NFL, which is crazy because he's a guy who's getting up there in age. He played for Washington for so 33, long. Baby. Yeah, Cowboys fans are very familiar with him. He's played mm-hmm. left tackle for Washington for so long. He you know, got traded to the 49ers uh, two years ago, I want to say it was. Um, you know, A lot of people thought he might be you know, towards the end of his career, but wow, he went to San Francisco and played some of the best ball of his career. Um for my money, the best left tackle in the NFL. I think there's a lot of people, a lot of smart people who think he could win offense, you know, should be in the vote to win offensive player of the year, even though he obviously won't. But Troy Williams is a stud. 
Um, he's obviously banged up, didn't play last week uh, against the Rams. So even if he does come back and play this week, there's a chance that he could be dealing with some things. So I think that's one of the reasons he's a little bit further down on our list. But Dalton, what are the Cowboys going to have to deal with with Trent Williams at left tackle for the 49ers if he does play this week? Well, yeah, um, there might not be a more terrifying view than a six foot five, 320 pound man that runs a four, eight, five coming at you. Um, so for me, the scariest thing about Trent Williams is him blocking in space at all and using that ridiculous athleticism that he has. Um, but you really worry about him just absolutely shutting down an entire side of a pass rush. And, and obviously the Cowboys have guys that can pass rush on the interior as well. But, like, I would much rather see Micah Parsons. And and Micah might be a little bit different of a case because he is so explosive. You might want to see what you have with him rushing on the outside if you do plan to rush him. Um, but, like, I, you know, at the end of the day, I, I don't think Randy Gregory is going to have a great day. Because, I mean, as good as an athlete as Randy is, Trent Williams is the best player in the NFL for my money. So we're looking at a guy who has given up one sack the entire year and has only given up 16 pressures. In the entire year, and then that's in almost a thousand snaps. Um, so for me, um, he is scary, but like you said earlier, the the positional value of scariness, I guess, it just uh, doesn't rank up with the rest of the squad. Yeah, I'm like I almost wonder. You know, we've seen Dan Quinn be very smart with the way he puts his personnel groupings on the field against oh, some yeah. of these good off. Like you, you, it could be a situation where you see, you know. Dorrance Armstrong played a lot of reps, reps over there, and he uses DeMarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory, and Neville Gallimore. Or yeah. Michael Parsons rush a lot off the the right side of that line and really just, you know, waste the guys, you know, as Dorrance Armstrong and not try to, you know, run up against your brick wall with Randy Gregory, DeMarcus Lawrence, which, which again, like we've seen DeMarcus Lawrence go up against Tristan Wirfs in week one. We didn't think he'd do a lot, and he played really well. So, you know, if, if Trent Williams is 70 80%, you could see a guy like Randy Gregory or Demarcus Lawrence, you know, get a few reps and, and win a few pass rush reps and yep. and not get completely dominated. So there there is some of that too. Like Cowboys got good players as well. They could they could they could win their fair share as well. But um, yeah, definitely agree with a lot of what Dalton said. Cole, you got anything to add on Trent Williams? I mean, y'all pretty much covered Trent Williams. Like you said, he's you know the best offensive lineman in the NFL right now. Um, if offensive lineman had had a chance at offensive player of the year, he'd have a strong case. Um, dominant player on that left side and I mean he has the opportunity to neutralize you know Randy Gregory Demarcus Lawrence Micah Parsons you know anybody that they want to bring to his side um, he has the opportunity to shut that down which you know it kind of makes things more difficult obviously for the Cowboys defense Um, he may not scare you in the sense that a you know dangerous pass rusher electric receiver anything like that does but he's arguably the most dominant football player in in the league right now uh, and the fact that they're able to overcome his injury and beat the Rams in a must-win kind of game. The Rams had a lot to play for as well. If they win that game, they're the number two seed, I believe. Um, that works at three seed. Um, so the fact they're able to overcome that and win that game, and now they're getting him back more than likely, is uh, definitely a big deal. And um, obviously for the Cowboys, you're hoping uh, – you're not cheering for injury, obviously, but you're hoping you don't have to face him because he's, he's definitely a difference maker. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm just interested to see how banged up he is if he does play, you know. Yeah, if he's Trent limited at all. Dude, like, mm-hmm. Right, like, like he's a 
he's a monster. He's a tough dude, played through injuries throughout his career, like, and he didn't play in a win-and-go-home game. So I just don't think this is a, you know, a, a back injury or, you know, something like that where something you can just kind of yeah. battle it out, you know. Yeah, it's not like they have – it's not like they're in a Cowboys situation where if you win, maybe you move up in the seating, but if you right, lose, right. you're locked in kind of deal. Um, so, like, kind of like uh, they set Tony Pollard. Um, but, yeah, yeah, so could definitely be something worth watching, see if the Cowboys could take advantage, maybe put some pressure um, on his injury. Yep. All right, number three, we got George Kittle, who I think for my money is one healthy – one of the best two tight ends in the NFL. Um, I think you're looking at Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, you know, Darren Waller in that conversation. I know he's been banged up this year, but I think from a complete tight end perspective, you're looking at George Kittle as the guy who can dominate as a blocker, dominate as receiver, dominate after the catch. For my money, he's the best complete tight end in the NFL. I know he's dealt with his injuries this year, and that kind of has allowed Debo Samuel to – yeah, yeah, no, no shit. He's always, always banged up. It seems like, and I'm but, starting um, to notice that's kind of a tight end thing. Is yeah. it? And, and I think it might just because they like, as a tight end, as a guy that's in line, as a guy that's on the slot, you're doing so many different things. You have to be such except a for Dalton Schultz. Um, I think a lot of guys get get injured because of that. But yeah, Dalton Schultz don't get injured. No injuries that's there. That's right. That's right. But um, <laughs> no, I mean, like, dude, it's it's. Kittle's one of my favorite players to watch in the NFL just because of how good he is at every level of his game. Like, literally blocks dudes. Like, offensive line highlights blocks dudes. You know, receiving highlights. Like, after the catch, like, he's just a freak at everything he does. So, he's so much fun to watch. Um, you know, and he, you know, he hasn't done as much the last couple of games for the 49ers. Like, he didn't do a lot in that, that Rams game. Um, he kept was kept kind of quiet for the most part. Um, but again, like he does so many different things for that offense that even when he's not catching eight balls for 120 yards and two touchdowns, like he's making the running game look so much better than it would without him. So I think that's the biggest thing is the Cowboys do have to add that, that impact of his blocking ability to their arsenal. Like they're not able to, you know, they're, they're, they're guys who do get those one-on-one reps on the edge, Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence, Micah Parsons, Dorrance Armstrong, Terrell Basham, like they're going to have to deal with George Kittle, and that's not your normal tight end um, run blocker who's just going to get in the way. He's going to battle his ass off and put you on the ground and make you really have to fight for it. So, Cole, thoughts on George Kittle? And actually, I want to ask you guys, like, where does he scare you the most, as a run blocker or as a pass catcher? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, as good as he is, uh, you know, catching football as as big of a game, you know, breaking player as he can be, um, especially in the red zone, you don't want to lose track of him. I just think uh, the Rams rely, or excuse me, the 49ers rely so heavily on their ground game, on running the football, that uh, it's, he's elite at blocking. I think that's where he scares me the most because the Cowboys have had some struggles, you know, stopping the run. Um, they've been a, they've showed to be vulnerable in that area. Um, so I, I think he's going to be, you know, most effective, you know, in that run blocking. He's a guy that kind of sets a tone there. I mean, him and Trent Williams are two of the best of the best uh, at what they do. Um, so he's definitely a guy that can hit the Cowboys in multiple ways. Um, like I said, I think he's most dangerous as a run blocker in this particular game, given how I believe the 49ers are going to want to run the football, play some, you know, ball control 
uh, ball control, get the ball away from Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys even more than they typically do. Um, but yeah, he's a guy that can hurt you in the red zone. He's uh, easily to he's he can get uh, separated easily. Excuse me. Um, so I'm interested to see how they uh, defend him. Can Curse uh, come back and be able to defend him? Are they going to throw Parsons on him at all? Are they going to switch up the looks? Um, but yeah, he's a guy that he's an all pro for a reason. He's at worst, you know, the second best tight end in the league and truly an elite talent. Dalton, George Kittle thoughts. There is a tangible difference with their rushing attack when he is on and when he is off the field. That's not something that you would expect to say about a tight end in 2021 or a tight end really (laughs) at all because you don't think of them as making that much of an impact on a rushing attack, but he does. Um, And I think it, honestly, I think it takes away, and obviously Debo Samuel has done this as well, but... I think that takes away a little bit of what he can be as a weapon down the field because he is so important to that rushing attack and it is so necessary for him to be a part of it. Um, So I think that kind of takes away his upside as a receiver. And obviously his upside as a receiver is the best receiving tight end in the NFL as well because of what he's able to do after the catch and just how great of an athlete he really is. So um, he's, he's, he's terrifying. I mean, he really is. And as long as he has been healthy, he has been the best tight end in the NFL for my money. Um, but you know, at, at, you know, at the end of the day, I think because of, you know, Jerry Ron curse, because of guys like Micah Parsons, I think that the Cowboys are going to be okay against George Kittle. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I feel you. I mean, like you said, for your money, for my money, um, he's the best tight end in the NFL for, for me. I mean, I know he's banged up a lot, so the Travis Kelsey numbers look bigger and better, but, I mean, for a tight end to do what he does is just super, super impressive. So, um, real quick, you know, before we move on, you know, some people might be listening to this and wondering – why aren't they talking about Elijah Mitchell and why aren't they talking about Jeff Wilson and what they do for the running game? Like we understand that, you know, the running game is good and the strength of the 49ers offense, but we think it has more to do with Trent Williams and George Kittle and that offense line than it does those players themselves. So we do want to give them credit for running the football the way they do, but we think, you know, we don't want to put one of those. We think the players we're listing in this top five argument are more dangerous as a player than, your Elijah Mitchell or Jeff Wilson. So we kind of want to take a second to give that running game props and talk about it with Trent Williams and, and with George Kittle um, more so than using, you know, Elijah Mitchell or Jeff Wilson or whoever it is they're going to decide to run um, on Sunday, which it looks like it's going to be Elijah Mitchell, who has been their their top guy when healthy for most of the season. So, um, again, the running game for the 49ers is, is obviously their, their, their most dangerous part of their offense. They use Debo Samuel in the backfield a lot. Uh, they use him on the, the jet sweeps and all that as well. So the running game is an issue. We're going to talk about that a little bit more with another player coming up. Um, but our second most dangerous player, I'm sure you know the two that we're going to talk about next. Who's one, who's two is the discussion. But for who? We're going to go with Nick Bosa. It was tough. We spent hours talking about it, breaking it down, <laughs> figuring out who it was going to be. I put together a PowerPoint presentation at one point. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go with Nick Bosa as our second most 
biggest threat in this game. Um, most biggest. And it was tough. This man just said most, most biggest. biggest on a podcast. <laughs> Nick Bosa is our second biggest threat. It was tough because you can make the case for Debo. You can make the case for Nick Bosa as being the biggest threat. But we ended up going with Bosa 2, Debo 1, and Dalton is going to explain why. Why we chose between the two? Why we chose Nick Bosa is the worst player between the yeah. two. Yeah, Nick Bosa is the worst player between the two, and that's, I mean, probably not true. Nick Bosa is uh, amazing. But for scariness, I believe the defender has to be number two in this instance. Um, and it's because outside of a crazy batted ball pick six, he's not going to score a 70-yard touchdown against you. But Debo Samuel can. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more when we actually discuss Debo. Uh, but Nick Bosa, man, seriously, uh, I think he was double teamed more than anybody uh, during the NFL season. And he is still one of the most dominant pass rushers in the NFL. I mean, this dude is a legitimate freak of nature out on the outside. And it's honestly, it's because he's so technically refined. I mean, we, we talked about him a lot coming out. Was he better than Joey? I thought he was more advanced version of his older brother coming out of Ohio State. Um, and and this is a guy who was rivaled to Miles Garrett as a prospect because of his technical ability. Um, so it's really difficult to not be afraid of what he might do against Lyle Collins on the outside. Um, and that has nothing to do really with Lyle. It's just how damn good Joe or yeah Nick Bosa is at the end of the day. Yeah, Nick Bosa, like you said, he's he's a freak, man. I mean, he plays good against the run. He's a dominant pass rusher. Like can, can... sixteen sacks this year, and he was double yeah. teamed more than anybody. Sacks were up this year; they had to have been right because like I mean, the people yeah. had some outrageous sack numbers this year. I think fifteen led it last year, and there was like seven people that had more than that this year. Yeah, just probably. I mean, I guess more teams right. maybe just passing than ever, but I guess yeah. Dude, I mean, yeah, because, like, it's kind of crazy. Like, I watched T.J. Watt a lot because he was on TV a lot this year for whatever reason because the Steelers are on TV a lot, and it's just like – like, he had a ton of sacks, and I felt like half of them were impressive and half of them were – which, again, oh, T.J. Watt's there might awesome. be There might be more than that that are, that are less than right. impressive. But that's, right, and that's it's always like, been a, that's always been a TJ thing, and I think at some point when yeah. we talk about pass rush, like it might not always be pretty, and some of them might be coverage sacks, or you. Know, but at some point, like you just continue to do it, even though we say yeah. like this shouldn't be sustainable because they're not impressive. Um, and I think right. that that's what when people talk about Miles Garrett and, and TJ Watt, and who's the better pass rusher, or is it Michael Parsons, Parsons at this point? Yeah. Like, who is it? It it doesn't. There's an argument to be made for any of them. You know, because why, even though their effort sacks and they're gritty at the end of the day, he gets them. You know, it was a lot like, and and I think this is what tricked me about Trey Hendrickson going to Cincinnati and could he do it as a full-time player? He he wasn't aesthetically pleasing as a player. And I let that, you know, creep into my evaluation of him instead of just looking at what the results are of what he was doing on the field. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Cole, you got anything to add on Bosa? Yeah, he's a you know great game breaking talent. Um, we've 
Kind of similar to what I said about Armstead. We've seen some defensive linemen give the Cowboys offensive line fits. Um, and if Dak is feeling pressure, if Dak's trying to make um, a play happen when it's not there, it's definitely um, cause for concern with Bosa potentially causing a strip sack, maybe um, getting them out of field goal range, things like that. Bosa is, like you said, it's not um, all on, you know, Leo Collins and the offensive line. It's just simply how good um, Bosa is himself. He's really good getting after the quarterback. He's great. He, uh, he's good against the run. He's just a dominant football player. He doesn't really have many weaknesses. Um, and, yeah, it was just kind of what Dalton was saying. Um, you know, offense is probably more dangerous than defense or scarier um, per se. But he, he's, you know, arguably the, the best player in this game, him, him or Trent Williams, um, at least on the 49ers. Just truly dominant player, can take over a game. And the Cowboys are going to have to have an answer for him. I don't know if they're going to. You know, use Ezekiel Elliott a lot more this week um, for pass protection. If they're going to keep him in there instead of Pollard getting some more run. If they're going to have to use uh, Jarwin and Schultz to maybe chip block him. If they're going to get Dak moving away. Well, whatever they need to do, they got to neutralize him because um, he's a guy that can, you know, wreck a game plan. No doubt. I mean, I mean, you guys definitely covered it. But, I mean, I think you, you kind of mentioned, like, what they're going to do to combat him and i almost Mm. don't like the idea of you know chipping him a lot and all that just because i feel like we've seen that kind of screw lyle up in the past where Mm, fair enough yeah you know you'll use zeke or you'll use you'll use zeke or you'll use pollard or schultz or whatever as a chipper and you know that seems to get in lyle's way more than it helps him so for me i almost think Mm -hmm. you you just hope lyle's on his aim game that day and again like there's situations where you know, where you're you're gonna, you know, you're gonna use, you know, use them on obvious passing downs. Maybe is a, is a chipper, but damn, like, I feel like we've seen that get in the way more than it's helped some of these these offensive linemen. You know, we've seen it with with Steele. We've seen it with Brandon Knight over the years or Tynaseki. So, I think you almost kind of got to live by the sword, die by the sword in that situation, and let them get it figured out, and not give them something else to worry about and get in the way. So. I think for Lyle, he's he's played well. You know, he had a few, few reps, you know, in the Eagles game where a lot of people are pointing out. But I think he's played well over the last few weeks. Um, done a nice job. So I think he can, he can, you know, not dominate Nick Mosa by any means, but he can kind of hold his own and, and give Dak Prescott plenty of opportunities and the running game plenty of opportunities to, to get things going. Um, so that leaves us with Debo. Guy who really bursted on the scene this year uh, was a good player last year for sure. Um, made plays last year, but I don't think anybody saw the the second year jump that he's shown and, and really made the case. I mean, he, you know, a lot of people kind of poo poo what he does as a wide receiver, but I think he's really really fun as a receiver himself. But made the case as like one of the top five weapons in the NFL for what he can do. You know, as a receiver, as a gadget player, as a runner, all those things. So. Dalton, I know you like Debo a lot coming out. Um, I was a big fan of his game as well, but but not quite to this extent of what he's done in the NFL. So I'll let you kind of start on Debo this year and what you thought and what he can do this game. I mean, yeah, you're right. I absolutely adore Debo Samuel coming out, and he just turned into one of my top five favorite NFL players almost immediately with what he's able to do after the catch. He is truly special. When we talk about guys – who are wide receiver running or wide receivers in running back bodies. 
it's guys like mm-hmm. him, it's guys like AJ Brown, but he is really the pinnacle of that after the catch. Um, AJ Brown uses his frame a little bit better, you know, as a route runner to get open and stuff like that. But you're not tackling Debo Samuel at the shoulders. You're just not going to do it. I don't care if you're a linebacker or a safety, a corner, you're going to get thrown off. He's so powerful and so explosive as a runner um, that he's really difficult, uh, a really difficult matchup for a cornerback who probably can physically keep up with him, but can't tackle. Um, And I'm talking about Trayvon Diggs right now. Trayvon Diggs is not good against the run and Trayvon Diggs isn't particularly interested in tackling. Um, So that is not a good matchup for a guy who cannot be tackled by the first guy. Um, On top of, as Connor was saying, his ability as a route runner. This isn't just a, a gadget guy. It's not just an underneath guy. We're talking about a guy who averaged 18 yards a catch and, you know, eight of them were uh, before the, the, the catch. So, you know, we're talking about an, an 8.3, like a dot on, on receptions. Um, and then he would get 10 yards after the catch every single time. That's an average. So we're talking about a guy who's going to get his, and you have to really, really rally so he doesn't take 170 yards. Um, He is, as Connor was saying, one of the most unique weapons in the NFL because he's also a guy who can carry it, you know, 60 times for 400 yards. Um, He's going to be tough to stop. He's going to take all 11. Yeah, I mean, he... Cole, I want to get your opinion too, but I think I think the scariest thing about Debo is you always hear people be like, oh, every time he touches the ball, he's got a chance to take it to the house. And like half of that's bullshit, half of it's real. Debo is one of those players that every time he touches the ball, he could take it to the house. Like plays he's not mm-hmm. supposed to take it. Like that ball he caught in overtime against the Rams, that's not a ball that's supposed to get pick up 30 yards after the catch. Like that's a hole beater. Where if he does catch it, it's like the Amari Cooper ball that we saw on the offsides against the Eagles, where you know he catches it and he's getting a hit as he's catching it. Like he just he absorbs contact so insanely well. Like he makes guys miss before he catches, like before he's able to make guy. I mean, it's just insane the way he plays the game. So I mean, he's one of those dudes that if you don't rally to the football and you don't have two or three guys around the ball when it's caught or when he's you know turning off field. He can take – he's got that Tyreek Hill aspect to his game without having that Tyreek Hill speed. Like, the angles he takes, the reads he makes, he's just a dangerous dude with the football in his hands. Yeah. Cole, I asked you this earlier, and I want to ask you again. What scares you the most about mm-hmm. Debo? Like, what he can do as a receiver or what he can do as a guy running the football after the catch? Yeah, I mean, it has to be after the catch, just like you said, the catch against the Rams, or I mean, even on that, what was it, that last drive to tie the game against the Rams, um, he gets behind Jalen Ramsey, uh, catches the ball, gets them, you know, in the red zone, and he does it all the time. I mean, I mean, the Rams game was kind of just a perfect, you know, uh, you know, representation of him. He threw a touchdown, he ran a touchdown, he was their big play weapon. That's what he's been all year. Um, kind of like you guys, I was. I loved him in college, you know, at South Carolina. He's a ton of fun to watch, and he's always been a pretty good player in the NFL, but this year he's kind of taken his game to that next level. Um, there's a lot of people, you know, excited about Brandon Ayuk potentially taking that next step and, and 
turns out is Debo Samuel, you know, taking his game to a completely another level. Um, if it wasn't for Cooper Cup's ridiculous season or Jonathan Taylor, he he could be, you know, your offensive player of the year. He's had that kind of season. Um, he, he just does so much with the – just get the ball in his hands and he's going to make something happen. Um, he's not the, you know, perfect route runner. He's not the best receiver. He's not a guy that can carry the ball um, on every down, you know, down and down basis. But he's a guy that if you get the ball in his hands, he's going to make a big play. Um, and like you said, he can score from anywhere on the football field. He can, uh, you know, beat you deep. He can uh, run after the catch. He has a long speed to outrun DB. He's just a, you know, big-time player. And um, Again, kind of like what I brought up with Bosa, how I'm curious how they're going to, you know, neutralize him, combat him. I'm curious how they're going to, you know, defend Debo Samuel. Are they going to use bracket coverage? Are they going to throw different guys at him? Uh, can Trayvon Diggs? tackle him in space um for that matter <laughs> that's the question <laughs> for matter, yeah that's a big question um today um you know if they if they try to do a lot of quick game do they try to put parsons on him in some situations i'm just curious what they're gonna do to neutralize him because i feel like if you can you know uh uh control him contain him i think you have to feel pretty good because it takes obviously the best big play weapon out of the equation um, as much as I like Ayuk, I don't think he's a guy that can really, you know, carry an offense, and carry a receiving game or passing game. Um, so I think he's, I think he's the key to this game. Um, I think, like y'all said, I mean, as good as Trent Williams is, how how scared can you be of a offensive tackle? As good as Bosa is, you have to have some confidence in Leo Collins. Um, the ground game is obviously going to be the big dictator, but Debo Samuel is that guy that can. Um, you know, gives headaches all game long. He's gonna, he's gonna be a headache for uh, Dan Quinn. I'm, I trust Dan Quinn. In, you know, creating a good game plan to kind of take away what he does best. But at the end of the day, it's probably gonna come down to tackling. Can our DBs tackle? Can um, they? You know, can they limit? You know, it to a ten yard gain instead of a twenty five yard gain. I think that's gonna be uh, really key. Real quick before we get out of here. Does boss man fat get the Debo Samuel assignment? I mean that that it, it is a huge it, it's a it's a huge risk. Don't get me wrong, but can you trust them in that yeah. situation? I, I mean, absolutely not. He's dog though, <laughs> and we might. But he we, is. You're right. We might need a dog against Debo. Yeah, <laughs> like that. That's the type of dude who's like, okay, and like. Like, we've seen how physical he can be with dudes, like, catching the football. Like, we've – I mean, again, like, his first start, he gave up, like, two catches for negative three yards because, like, he's just a dude who wants to come up and hit you this year, which that wasn't something I necessar- necessarily saw on his tape at, Ken- you know, Kentucky all the time. But, damn, like, we saw it in Philadelphia last weekend. Like, he came up and hit dudes. Like, he wants to tackle. I mean, I'm being somewhat tongue-in-cheek here, but I wonder <laughs> – if they watch the tape over over it over the last few weeks, and it's like, okay, the dude's covered well, he's tackled well, he's been physical. Like, is that the guy we want to take over? I don't know. It's just an idea to throw out into the the, the world. When I yeah, thought Mike right. could be horribly wrong or ter- you know terribly right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I guess it makes sense if you don't trust Trayvon Diggs tackling if he. Uh, obviously, I don't know if Anthony Brown can uh, be physical enough with him. So I, th- I think this would definitely worth at least, you know, 
giving him some opportunities, giving him some reps against him, trying to get him off his game. Yeah. I mean, do just, you think that's the best uh, – is that the best route to take? I mean, how do you I mean, defend I feel like your best route to take is – I feel like your best route to take is to maybe use digs, not have him travel, just have him play one side, have Anthony Brown play one side, have Jordan Lewis play in the slot. And wherever Debo lines up, you have a safety shade that way and have that extra guy play towards his side of the field to have that extra mm-hmm. guy on that side of the field when he does catch the football. Um, I just don't think it's a, a – it, I don't think it's a great opportunity for you to travel because he moves, you know, mm-hmm. he moves so much pre-snap at the snap that having Diggs chase him around the field, you know, as a as a motion player yeah. is a recipe for disaster. So I almost feel like you have to line up and play your coverage, you know, play your guys on one side of the field and just shade guys to his side, you know, to the field side to give him, you know, a little bit extra, but. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know what the answer is because of how unique he is as a receiver, as a runner, as a guy for the catch. It's, it's tough to really defend. Mm-hmm. No, I agree for sure. But you guys got anything else we want to add before we get out of here? Uh, I'll, add I mean, this. I'll add this. Because because we've been so pessimistic all podcasts, and it's because of, you know, what we were assigned. I still think that the Cowboys the – we understood the assignment, but I mean the Cowboys match up really well with this team too. I think I think their secondary is not very good, and the Cowboys receivers are the strength of this team. Um, I think there's ways that they can attack this team on defense, both through the air, and if they want, you know, if they want to slow down the pass rush, they can run outside on this defense with some success. They're not going to have a ton of success running right down the middle, but I think there's. Ways they can't attack this defense that could be game-changing through the air. I mean, they don't have, you know, if Josh Norman, Josh Norman's one of their better secondary players right now. Like, mm-hmm. that's a recipe for success against this that's offense. problem. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think that while we've talked a lot of time about how good this 49ers, you know, their, their skill players are on both sides of the ball, the Cowboys have a... They have plenty of matchups that they can exploit as well, and I think that's why I did like this. You know, I did like this matchup for the Cowboys because the quarterback's not very good for most of the time, and their secondary so bad. So for me, if you're drawing up the way for the Cowboys to win the playoffs, it's to not face an elite quarterback and to have guys not have great secondaries and let these let Amari Cooper, Ceedee Lamb. Cedric Wilson, Dalton Schultz, Tony Pollard, Zeke Elliott, like let those guys make plays in the passing game. So I think they have that going for them. Yeah. I feel so. like we're due for an Amari Cooper game. You know, Dude. I feel like we haven't had a big Amari Cooper game in yes. quite some time. What well, better way than playoff? They need, whether it's Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Cedric Wilson, like they need somebody to consistently play like a wide receiver one throughout the playoffs. Amari. Yeah. Yeah, but that's all we got. I think the uh, it's real quick. I think that's the biggest thing. It's going to be stopping that run game. I mean, I think this is what the game's going to come down to. If the Cowboys can be more physical up front, I think they'll win the game. Um, if they can, I just think the 49ers are going to play ball control offense. They're going to keep Dak Prescott and that offense off the field. If the Cowboys can get them off the field on third down, they can be more physical, stop that run game. Um, I think it's going to be. A, 
pretty good day if you're a Cowboys fan. Yep, I agree. So I'd like to let everybody know that I am defeated on Wild Card Weekend in AT and T Stadium. So don't hate me too much. But that's all the time we have for today, folks. It's playoffs, baby. We're here. We're ready to go. And we're talking star. Make sure we're hoping this doesn't end this weekend. So make sure you're following the Blogging the Boys podcast feed on whatever feed you listen on to get plenty of playoff coverage by the Blogging the Boys team. There is a ton of different shows, ton of different voices, ton to talk about as the Cowboys work their way through this playoffs. Starting this week at AT&T Stadium against the San Francisco 49ers. We'll be back next week one way or the other, hopefully to talk more playoffs, get you ready for the divisional round. We are talking the stuff.